I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Imagine this scenario. I'm checking out of a hotel and I'm absolutely convinced for no apparent reason that I should give a bottle of my nail polish that I have along on the trip with me to the hotel concierge. (laughs) I did it and she was very grateful. Now, why did all of this go down? In a word, influence. I'm not exactly sure why, but right now my keynote speech on influence is in more demand than ever before. With more and more groups gathering in person again for their conferences and professional development events, well, I've been giving my keynote on influence more frequently, and so influence has been on my mind a lot lately. The wonderful thing about the podcast is that it gives me a chance to go a little deeper on topics. It gives me an opportunity to give a few more examples and so on. So in this episode, I'm going to dive into a few ideas about influence And I'll share a personal example or two with each of the topics, including the story about the nail polish and the hotel concierge. We all have the opportunity to influence others, our coworkers, our friends and neighbors, our family members, and so on. Sometimes we do it overtly, like a client of mine who shared with me recently that she and her adult siblings, who all live within a few miles of one another, influenced their aging parents to move 150 miles and purchase a one-level home right in the neighborhood where the kids live so that they can age in place near the kids. And other times we influence in less overt ways, like when we talk about a great meal that we had at a restaurant and share those ideas with a friend, and then they decide to give it a try themselves. Whether we intended for them to go to that restaurant or not, we influenced an outcome. Whether your influencing is pointed and specific, like the adult children getting their parents to move closer by, or whether it's more indirect, it's important to know how influence works. I'm going to share three different types of influence in this episode of the podcast. It is not an exhaustive list by any means. It's just three of the many ways to influence that I've been mulling over lately. Imagine this scenario. It's Tuesday, April 19th, the day after the face covering regulation in the United States was overturned in a federal court. I happened to be flying early that morning, the day the restriction on masks and face coverings was lifted. Now, here in the United States, there have been regulations that have been enforced that have preempted the need for influence. For example, the mask regulation. 
Until recently, we've been required to wear that protective face covering on public transportation, including airplanes. The regulation was in fact, so influence really was taking a back seat. But on that particular day, on Tuesday, April 19th, when the regulation had just been overturned the previous day, people had a choice. And I want to point out that expert authority is a form of influence. Again, influence had taken a back seat because a federal regulation was in place. Now the federal regulation was gone and we had an opportunity to think and make choices that were perhaps different from the federal regulation. Now, again, let's circle back to expert authority as a form of influence. Scientists and public health officials have influenced me that I can stay more protected from airborne illness, including but not limited to the COVID virus, by wearing a mask, especially in a confined space where the same air is circulating. For example, on an airplane. So again, there had been a restriction put in place by the government But even when that restriction was in place, that's not necessarily what was influencing me. Now, of course, I'm a reasonably law-abiding citizen, so I probably would have worn the mask simply because of the regulation. However, that was not the biggest factor in influencing me. For me, public health officials and scientists were the most influential. And in fact, for me, they still are. Now, it was very weird that day in the airport. Again, I had an early flight from Minneapolis to Fort Lauderdale. As I was walking through the airport early that morning, the custodial staff was walking around the airport, taking down the signs that said that face coverings were required. Now, as I looked around to my fellow passengers, some people were confused. Now, maybe they hadn't heard the news. Or maybe they were conflicted about whether or not they should be wearing a mask. I was neither confused nor conflicted. I had heard about the federal regulation being overturned in a federal court the previous day on the news. And I knew that the following morning when I took my early flight, it would be my choice whether I was going to wear a mask. I was then, and I still am, influenced by public health officials and scientists. And I'm also influenced by my own choice of occupation. As a speaker, I'm self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur. If I get sick, whether it's with COVID or something more benign like influenza or even strep throat, there's a really good chance I'll have to miss some days of work. Now, if it's a back office day and I'm doing things like writing proposals and sending invoices and organizing my calendar, it might not matter so much. But if it's a day that I'm presenting to an audience, or if it's a critical day where I'm customizing a presentation to give to an audience in one of the upcoming days, then there is so much on the line. If I'm the keynote speaker at a conference and I can't attend because I'm sick, it puts the conference planner in a serious bind on the hook to find a replacement on very short notice. If it's a corporate training session, well... In many cases, it can be rescheduled, but it's still inconvenient and troublesome and costly to the corporation who's hired me. And then, of course, there's the very practical matter of if I don't do the speaking or training engagement, I don't get paid. 
Now, that's not true for my friends and family members who work for someone else, whether that be a large corporation, a small company, or a nonprofit. They still get paid even when they're ill. But I don't. My livelihood is on the line in a very real way, and it's connected directly to my health. I need to stay healthy to share my content, to make a difference in other people's lives, and, well, frankly, to make a living. So for me, the scientists and the public health officials, they sway my thinking. Their expert authority influences me as it relates to face coverings, particularly in confined spaces with the same air circulating, like an airplane. Maybe not so much in a grocery store, but definitely on an airplane. So that morning, the morning of Tuesday, April 19th, 2022, I posted on Instagram, to mask or not to mask? That is the question. And I showed a picture of me wearing a mask on the airplane, and then I briefly removed my mask and took another picture and posted that one as well. And then I added some commentary about how important it is for me to mask on an airplane because my health and my livelihood are so interconnected. So our first form of influence is that of expert authority. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, the second kind of influence that I want to talk about today is about social proof. Social proof is a term coined by Robert Cialdini, one of my colleagues who writes a lot about influence. And social proof is the phenomenon that people shape their behavior on the basis of what other people say and do. Just like the reviews on Amazon, Airbnb, or any online marketplace. That hot sauce you saw online with the one-star review? Mmm, pass. The gourmet coffee beans that got a resounding five-star review? Click in the cart. People assume that the opinions of others reflect a certain truth that they too will experience. If 1,632 people thought the coffee beans were that spectacular, chances are you will too. In an age where new products and services can live or die by online reviews, social proof means everything. But social proof and a five-star rating on those coffee beans aren't just the result of one big thing. Sure, it's great coffee, but what makes it great? The aroma of the beans when you open the bag, the notes of chocolate and fig as you sip a piping hot cup, the fact that the beans are fair trade and responsibly sourced, that the beans arrived the day before you expected them, (laughs) and by bicycle messenger. You don't give a five-star rating. You don't give that kind of social proof because of one thing. It's all of those little things that go into giving a five-star rating. 
Now, I'm convinced that we use social proof and that it influences all sorts of decisions and not just consumer decisions like deciding which coffee to buy based on the reviews. I think social proof shows up in big and small ways and governs a whole lot of our behavior. For example, I believe that we give implicit ratings to our colleagues based on the service they give us. Rachel in accounting, not getting you what you need on time? (laughs) One star. And now you start reaching out to Daniel in accounting, even though you're supposed to be getting what you need from Rachel. You reach out to Daniel because Daniel delivers every time. Five stars. I feel so strongly that social proof influences us in so many ways that it's the topic of my latest brand new keynote. What's the social proof on you, on your product, on your team, on your personal reputation? Would you get a five-star review from your colleagues? That's social proof. That's influence. So that's the second kind of influence I wanted to talk about today. Social proof. It's all around us. Now, if you've been holding out for the nail polish story, don't fret. Here it comes. And it's connected to the third kind of influence that I want to talk about today. So let me tell you the story first, and then I'll share the kind of influence that was at work in the nail polish story. So I was at a professional conference for several days, and I used the concierge several different times for restaurant reservations, for changes in my shuttle back to the airport, and just a host of other things. Her name was Nicole, and she proved to be a wealth of information. In our very first interaction, she complimented me on my nails. Now, this is kind of a big deal for me. You see, my nails are very soft, and they crack and bend and break easily. Manicures are a total waste of money because the polish chips off when my soft nails bend. And there goes $35 down the drain. Now, I do like my nails to look nice. So when my nails are done, you can bet I'm the one who's polished them. And I have looked far and wide to find polishes that strengthen my nails and make them better and not worse because there are some products that are really hard on the health of your nails. Now, as an aside, if you have product recommendations, I am always open to hearing about them. Hit me up on Instagram with a direct message and let me know what products I'm missing. But back to the concierge. Her name was Nicole, as I mentioned, and she really liked my nail color. She complimented me on my nails and said specifically that she liked the color. Now, in case you're interested, it was Sally Hansen Insta-Dry Polish, and the color was Petal to the Metal. Petal, like flower petal, petal to the metal. And the color itself is kind of a cross between gold and champagne. It's sparkly, but somewhat neutral. Now, at the time that I was attending this conference, I had upwards of half a dozen, maybe even eight bottles of this particular nail polish. It was at my desk, it was in my car, in my computer bag, and then of course all the usual places that you might find nail polish, like where I keep my cosmetics and so forth. But because my nails chip and break so often, I often found myself stopping to buy another bottle at a CVS or Walgreens on my way to an event, to the airport, or wherever. The product is relatively inexpensive, very sturdy, does the job, and the color 
matches a lot of different things without being a really bold color. Again, because my nails bend, break, and chip so much, I keep them relatively short. Well, I couldn't keep them long if I wanted to, but Petal to the Metal was my go-to color and I was using it a lot. Now, again, I had multiple interactions with Nicole while I was at the hotel and I do believe that she mentioned my nail polish almost every single time, sometimes even just with a sideways glance and pointing to my nails. Well, a funny thing happened when I went to check out of the hotel. As I was turning in my keys and getting my receipt, I started digging around in my backpack and found that bottle of nail polish that I had with me. I swung by the concierge desk and I had a few minutes to kill before my ride to the airport arrived. So I found Nicole at the concierge desk and I gave her the nail polish. I didn't just give it to her. I felt absolutely compelled to gift her with this nail polish. Now, she certainly wasn't complimenting me on my nails or the color of my polish to get the polish as a gift. She just genuinely liked it. And she had tremendously helped me over the course of my stay, in addition to complimenting me on my nails. I wanted to give back. I wanted to give to Nicole because she had given to me. So I gave her the nail polish. It's called reciprocity. That's the type of influence, reciprocity. You see, we feel obliged to give back to someone who has given to us first. We see this in gift giving, party invitations, greeting card exchanges, and so much more. In so many parts of our lives, if someone has given to us, we feel compelled to give back to them. Now, giving like this, in the case of reciprocity, it must be genuine. Otherwise, it's manipulative in nature. Nicole gave to me first. Now, of course, it was her job to do the concierge duties, but it was not her job to compliment me on my nails. That was her giving freely of a compliment. Again, I have to tell you that I felt so compelled. And every time I remember and retell this story, I'm a little taken aback by my own behavior. I'm not necessarily somebody who's going to march up to a relative stranger and just give them something, you know, a cosmetic out of my bag. But I was absolutely driven to give her that nail polish. Now, Nicole accepted the nail polish graciously, and I could tell she was touched. She might have thought I was a little bit batty, but she was absolutely touched for me to give her the nail polish. And at first she said, oh, no, I couldn't. And I said, oh, you must understand I have at least half a dozen bottles of this because my nails break so frequently. I'm buying it all the time. So please take this one. It would mean a lot to me if you took it. She smiled and graciously took it. Reciprocity is a powerful form of influence. So there you have it, my friends, three different types of the many, many, many types of influence. First, expert authority. We rely on the advice of experts to make decisions in our own lives. Second, social proof. We shape our behavior based on what other people say and do. Third, reciprocity. We feel obliged to give back to others when they have given to us. Now, before I sign off, I have a request of you. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Working Conversations podcast or any other episode that you've listened to, 
And if either this episode or a previous episode has contributed to you in the form of education, entertainment, or both, please take a moment right now to share it with someone else and ask them to download a few episodes of the Working Conversations podcast and give it a try. If the situation were ever reversed, I would do the same for you. Until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.